Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hang on, hang on. That's not the guy behind you or beside you. That's a live listen into our Bob Stoffer stuck in traffic somewhere between Manhattan and the Prudential Center where the Devils will host the Oilers in about three hours' time on 6.30, Chad. So while he travels, we will flush out what has been some recent action and the action still to come here in this back-to-back set ahead of the Christmas break for the Edmonton Oilers, who find themselves just like the Devils are, sixth in their division, sixth in the Pacific Division ahead of the end of what we'll call the unofficial first half of the year. I guess you could also consider the time before the All-Star break, that unofficial first half. It's game 30 tonight. The Oilers are middling because they have no wiggle room right now. I think that's really what we're seeing as this three-game losing skid uh, goes on, is that every everything that they sort of squandered in the first 20 games of the season has left them with absolutely no room for error anymore. They got as close as one point away from that final playoff spot in the West. And then three losses later, they're seven points back of Arizona, just like that. So it's as slick as uh, what's that movie where they grease up the bottom of the uh, the uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? Thank you very much. That is a personal favorite. I should have known that one, but I didn't want to mess it up. So it's uh, it's kind of feeling like that when you look at how the Oilers can so slipperily fall. That's a new word. Uh, fall down the hill, the toboggan hill, if you will. They're starting Calvin Pickard in goal tonight. Connor Brown finds himself in the rafters. Lots to uh, lots to get you up to speed on. We'll do that over the course of this whole show, but uh, we're going to change the structure of things up a little bit here as we wait for Bob to arrive. You know the show, as always, is brought to you by World of Spas, and I'm pretty sure that if you're a loyal listener, you know how to get in touch, too. We'll link up with a couple of guests coming up on the River Creek Resort Casino hotline at 780-496-0063. They've got the Blue Oyster Cult coming in the new year. Thursday, January 25th, to be exact. Get your tickets now, though, at RiverCreeResort.com. Maybe a last-minute gift idea there. River Cree Resort Casino excitement. Bet on it. The top story today, which is brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling, is Connor Brown sitting on the sidelines as a healthy scratch. And uh, really, I, I think we can all agree that something had to give, whether it was Brown, whether it was Ryan McLeod. These guys are not producing offensively. But in Brown's case, he's really not producing, like, at all. He's trying, like a son of a gun. But it's just not happening. And then you look at a player who spends a lot of time playing on the perimeter, and I see other players in this lineup 
that also spend a lot of time playing the perimeter. And I wonder whether or not, yes, this is a direct message to Connor Brown, but I, I have a feeling that Knobloch and Coffee are hoping this resonates with some others in the Oilers lineup. So Brown comes out and Ernie is in tonight. That is your top story uh, brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling. Whether it's heating or cooling you need, get it with no payments and no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy. Legacy Heating and Cooling. Full lineup report from McGuire Financial will come up in about a half hour if Bob is here. We're going to do it whether or not he's arrived, okay? If not, we'll uh, we'll hang out together. But uh, for now, I do want to get early into a conversation that Bob had this morning in the tri-state area with our regular Thursday guest, Louis DeBrusque, who is brought to you by GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972. Visit gcldiesel.com. We're going to dip into the audio vault for this one. As I mentioned, it's a pre-taped conversation, but Bob and Louie breaking down recent performances and, of course, tonight's game, which you'll hear at 5.30 on 6.30, Chad. Louie, tonight it's the Edmonton Oilers and the New Jersey Devils, and uh, you know what? It's it's interesting because we got a battle of the broadcasters too. Uh, Devils analyst Ken Bookham Danico yeah. out of the Southside Athletic yeah. Club from yeah. Edmonton yeah. went to DS McKenzie in uh, in Duggan back in the day. And if I recall correctly, did you not scrap him a couple yeah. times in the same game? Yeah, I did. It was funny too. You know, you know, Dan was one of those guys that was always so well respected. Obviously, a lifetime Devil, and he just uh, has meant so much to the organization. But and he was from Edmonton too, and I knew that. So I mean, every time we went in there, or they came to Edmonton. Um, there was always talk about him, just that real solid, stay-at-home, tough defenseman. And uh, yeah, we had a couple scraps at the old um, Meadowlands there um, back in the day, and uh, he was a big, strong guy. And uh, it was funny. He had me down at the end of the second fight, at the end of the game, and we had lost the game. And uh, he goes, "What was that all about? Why, why did you come after me again? We had fought twice in the game." And I said, "I don't know. I'm just frustrated." He goes, "I get that," and he just. <laughs> Let me back up, and we went our separate ways. But I always had a ton of respect for him. Great guy. All right. Well, the legend has it that Ken Danico is like the unofficial third Messier, and Mark Messier was always trying to get Glenn Sather to trade for Danico. And, and there was an unwritten rule. There was an unwritten rule that Messier and Danico would never really uh, go at each other. And, and there you are. Ultimately, you were part of the Mark Messier trade. Yeah. So small world, eh? Well, you know, small world too. You said he's Southside Athletic Club, and Jake played for the Southside Athletic Club two years later. So it just kind of goes full circle, but yeah, he was uh, he was really well respected in Edmonton. I know that uh, there was always conversations about him. Like I said, when he came in, and they were a really good team. You know, the New Jersey Devils were a team that had an identity. Um, they played a certain way, and they won Stanley Cups because they played that way. And he was a huge part of that identity. And when you think of the New Jersey Devils, you think of Kenny Danico too. Like that's kind of they go hand in hand. So obviously, I know he had um, comparisons to Messier, and they were good friends, and they grew up together, and they knew each other. But um, he was a big leader as well so I'm um, still in the game great broadcaster you see him on NHL Network as well and just a fun guy to talk to when you bump into him. For GCL Diesel we are joined by Louis DeBrusque. Louis uh, Edmonton and New Jersey tonight man uh, a week ago we were doing this interview and because you join us every Thursday on the show and talking about an eight game winning streak and the number one power play in the league during that stretch and the number one uh, offense and, and lo and behold Edmonton has dropped uh, five or six spots and off in goals four per game uh, uh, in the last three games, the Oilers shot, during the eight-game winning streak, the Oilers shot the puck at 14%, 14.2%. 
in the last eight games here, or last three games, just six goals on 127 shots. They pumped a lot of pucks on goal, but a 4.2% shooting percentage, and the end result is three straight losses. They got to get a tied uh, turnaround. Now, one of the things that happened yesterday at practice, as you know, was the first drill they did uh, was sort of a net front drill, uh, getting pucks back to the point, shooting pucks, and making sure that guys hounded around the front of the net. Because I think if you take a look at the game against Florida and against the New York Islanders, there were too many one-and-dones in those games. Yeah, I was just going to say, too many perimeter shots. And, you know, we talked about it. Don't get me wrong, they did some great things. They had a lot of possession. They controlled the play. They did push in the third period against the Islanders especially. But, but when you look at it, you say, okay, they just didn't get that really good chance they were looking for in tight. They didn't create that chaos around the net. They, they allowed the Islanders to more or less stay in their structure. Um, Edmonton's too good of a team in the offensive zone to allow the opposition to do that, I feel. So uh, I know that in the eight-game win streak, they were excellent at getting bodies in front of the net. There was a real purpose to have somebody there all the time. You're quicker on recoveries when somebody's there. Somebody has to pay attention to you so it can open up space for people to skate with the puck. And it always gives the option to get a puck to the net. Now, the Islanders blocked a lot of shots in that game. They're the best in the league at doing it. But that has to be an emphasis, too, of everybody on the Oilers taking that extra split second or getting it away a little quicker to make sure that that defender is not in your lane. If they're in the lane, you can't try and shoot it through them. It's just too high risk because if it gets blocked, it really defeats the purpose of being in the offensive zone. That's something that I looked for them to correct in this game tonight versus the New Jersey Devils. But, you know, for me, I think that teams are adjusting for Edmonton now. They win eight games in a row. I think teams are now saying to themselves, okay, Edmonton's back. We talked about this. They started off the year, obviously, the way they did. When they started to go on a tear, they clawed back to 500, and everybody in the league is going, "Uh uh-oh, Edmonton's back, they're rolling, look out. What happens is teams starting to tighten up. They start to tighten up, they start to collapse into the zone, they start to take away the inside. Edmonton's going to have to fight harder to get to that inside, so that drill, specifically to me, is something they've been lacking a little bit lately. I expect them to be pretty urgent getting to the front of the net tonight. We're joined by Louis DeBras. The other thing that was happening, the Oilers' power play uh, went 11 for 25 during the eight-game winning streak. Like, Think about it. They scored six goals against Carolina. They only got one power play opportunity in that game. Like, I mean, they got a good power play when it's going. But they lost the game against the Islanders on the power play. They lost momentum in the the first period. Uh, The collateral damage from a boosh bomb breaks a stick. Clutterbuck doesn't have a stick. And Nugent Hopkins forces. And Ryan had a tough night in that game in Long Island. But he forced the puck through. And it got blocked. And they were able to vacate the zone. The Islanders survived that kill. And the Islanders' penalty killing had been its the worst in the league. And Edmonton went 0 for it. Then Edmonton gets the 5-on-3, does not score in the power play, and they even got a power play in the third period to give them an outside chance to get back in the game. And I don't, you know, I don't think the Oilers are power play merchants. I think the 5-on-5 numbers this year suggest the team is better 5-on-5 than they've been in past years. But it's rare when you see an Oilers team lose a game on teams and they lost a game on special teams against the Islanders. 100%. And I'll even say even one goal. Just to make it a one-goal game. Just to kind of keep the pressure on the Islanders. There was a lot of opportunities there. And I agree with you. I think in the first period, that penalty kill by the Islanders allowed them to kind of stabilize and say, okay, we've weathered the storm. They got the penalty they were looking for.
for. They got the power play they were looking for. They could have been up 2 nothing in that game easily, 3 nothing. Got a couple saves, and then they started to gain some confidence, and then they rolled. And you could kind of see them taking over the game. Some high-quality chances against. You started to go north and south a little bit. We talk about game management all the time, and I know it's a word that's thrown out there um, at will, but I really felt they didn't manage the game very well. They started to play high-risk hockey, which didn't allow them to really control the game the way they should have and the way they did in the eight-game win streak. They were excellent at it. They were great at kind of shutting teams down, yep. not giving them a lot. Now, uh, to their defense, two power play goals against and a shorthanded goal against. Five on five, they were the better team. They were fine. So I do agree that special teams were a huge factor in the game. They were a huge factor in the win over the Islanders a couple weeks ago or three weeks ago. And, you know, special teams are important. So they're going to have to make sure that they're stabilizing that. It's the timing of power play goals. It's the timing of a big kill. They're a little out of whack after doing it really well for about a month. So they'll have to get back on track in that regard. We're joined by Louis DeBras for GCL Diesel. Bob Stauffer with you on Oilers now. The Edmonton Oilers and the New Jersey Devils tonight. The Oilers, we met They've only scored six goals in the last or uh, three games, despite having 127 shots on goal. That's a lot. Possession metrics. Yeah. Numbers are numbers. You can, in theory, make them uh, any uh, look any way you want. I guess to a certain extent. But in both public and in private statistical models, the Edmonton Oilers in, are supposed to have the highest expected goals for share five on five in the league. That has not borne out this year. Why? Well, I think... Why has it not resulted in... I, want, I would tell you that it's hot and, hot and cold streaks of players. Simple as that. And I think that when you look at this team, when they struggle, they seem to struggle together. There's only a couple guys going. And when they're hot, they're really hot together. I mean, there's a lot of guys right now that are having difficulty getting their game going. I mean, Evander Kane right now is shuffled up and down the top two lines. He's got one empty net goal in the last eight games. He had eight goals in the previous eight. So he's gone cold. Um, Connor Brown, who looks to be a healthy scratch tonight, hasn't scored a goal all year. You've got guys that are finding a lot of difficulty in keeping their game consistent throughout the year. So when you have those ebbs and flows, I mean, Leon Dreisel himself, five on five, and this goes to do with the lineup and the two players that are playing. Two goals in the last 15, but, you know, going into the last game, he had one even strength goal in the previous 12 games. He now has two in 13. I mean, that's not Leon Dreisel like numbers. So there's a lot of things that are going on. You rely too heavily on the power play. It, it, it's not always going to be there for you. So you, you have to find ways to generate offense, um, even strength, and I I just don't think that that's been something as of late, especially, that has been great. But they did win eight in a row, so it was working. They were they were able to get timely power play goals. They were able to have a great penalty killing. But now, I think the true colors are coming out a little bit, and there has to be some adjustments there. Obviously, with the scratching of Connor Brown tonight, that's the first step in getting a different body in there, keeping players accountable for their play, and that's all a coach can do right now, and I expect a response from the team. The Edmonton Oilers and the New Jersey Devils. Uh, this is a three-game Eastern road trip where the Oilers play three of the top five power plays in the league. And in fact, on back-to-back nights, they'll play the best power play because New Jersey and the Rangers are tied number one in the league in power play percentage. Different teams, in my opinion, and one of the biggest differences is in between the goal. How about the Oilers run of Russian goaltenders? Vasilevsky stands on his head a week ago Thursday for Tampa Bay. Uh, Bobrovsky was good, though. I didn't think the Oilers were great, even though they put up like 36 seven shots or whatever it was against Florida. And then obviously Ilya Sorokin was very good the other night for the Islanders. Well, the Orders aren't facing a Russian guardian tonight. Uh, now that said, 
they are playing a team that has skill and ability. Team very statistically similar to Edmonton in a lot of respects. Very, very similar. And I think a team also at the start of the year that was trying to find their game, their high-end game and find consistency. And I know that Lindy Ruff talked about that when they were in Edmonton earlier uh, a couple weeks ago or a week and a half ago. And I know that... Um, you know, both teams have that high-end skill. They play a really fast game, the Devils. The Devils are a team that are that have a lot of giddy-up and go. And I, and I think Edmonton knows that. They seem to kind of respond to that. They look over there and say, okay, these guys like to have the puck. They like to skate. They like to move. We better have our A game here because we could get um, roasted pretty early on. Um, and, and I think that'll be an important factor tonight, just moving the feet making sure you're playing a real fast game. But I also think we've talked about this, the forecheck. I think get pucks in behind. I don't think they established enough against the Islanders. When they did, they had success. They had possession. I think the physicality needs to be elevated. I don't think there were enough hits, in my personal opinion. I think that when you're forechecking, you're banging bodies. I just think it opens up a lot of things. It, it creates that, you know, defenseman looking behind them, seeing who's coming. It creates a turnover or two here and there. It wears down a defenseman a little bit more. It gets you into the game physically and mentally. There's a lot of good things that happen from you can draw penalties from frustration. So those are all good things. But uh, this should be a good one. This it, w- it was a fast-paced game the last time these two teams met. I expect the exact same. And I think this New Jersey Devils team looks at Edmonton and says, hey, we want to be like those guys. They're still on their way up, kind of trying to get into playoffs and find their, their identity. Um, they want to try and redeem themselves after a 4-1 loss. All right. We'd be remiss without talking about the fact since tomorrow's game is against the New York Rangers. And uh, you were critical to the New York Rangers winning a Stanley Cup because you were one of the <laughs> yeah. pieces that was traded for Mark Messier. Just a, uh, uh, just a thought. You were telling a story earlier on just about how unique New York City is. And yeah. uh, you and Dougie Waite and some fun times that you guys had back in the day. Two guys that uh, really kind of uh, people identify as Edmonton Oilers now. But uh, a thought on uh, maybe your, your embryonic stages of your NHL career spending time here in New York City. You know what's incredible? I'm terrified of this city now. No, I never want to drive in it, but when I was 19, 20, I'd bomb around downtown, no problem. It's amazing how fearless you are when you're a young man. But, um, yeah, we didn't know any different. You know, it was kind of, it was an amazing environment to come to from growing up in a small town, uh, you know, playing junior B, junior A, and then all of a sudden you're at Madison Square Garden playing the Islanders in an exhibition game going, wow, how did I get here? And you're coming out to the the warm-up to Welcome to the Jungle. It's such a fitting song for New York City. But it is the concrete jungle, no question about it. You walk around here and you're just in awe at the size and um, how many buildings there are. Uh, it's a different place, but it's a unique place in the, in, in the sense that you know, you can people watch here and, and it's just, it's all walks of life from everywhere in the world and everybody's here and it's so busy, but nobody really pays attention to anybody else. It's kind of like everybody's got their own agenda, yeah. their own business, and they walk by you and it can seem cold, but it's just the nature of a giant city. But um, no, it was great, you know, and obviously I had I had a hand in a few Stanley Cups, you know, for being on, you know, in the trade for the Rangers. They won a Stanley Cup. We were terrible in Tampa. They got Vinny LeCavalier because of us, and eventually they won a cup. And then, you know, it was a few years after I left Chicago, but we weren't very good in Chicago either. So that was the start of the demise in Chicago that allowed them to get Patrick Kane one day. So, you know, that's the way I look at it. Anyway, I don't know if that's the way you should look at it, but I think, uh, but yeah, no, unfortunately I had been on some some difficult teams over the years, but uh, I think that 
builds character. But I'll always have a soft spot for the New York Rangers. They drafted me. They believed in me in 1989. Uh, they picked me from the London Knights, and I'll never forget that day. And um, so they'll always be a special organization for me. Louie, people love self-deprecation. Great stuff. <laughs> uh, the reality of the situation is you might have helped a couple teams win Stanley Cups, but you played over 400 games in the NHL. And the guy doing the interview here, he lacked the speed, talent, agility, coordination, toughness, character, and discipline to have played a game in the Western League, let alone in the National Hockey League. So there you have it. Great stuff. Thanks a lot. Happy holidays. Thanks, but Merry Christmas to you, Ed. All right, there you go. That's Bob Stoffer and Louis DeBrusque in conversation. While Bob makes his way, uh, apparently, Derek, there's an accident outside oh, Secaucus. No. So, Uh-oh. I don't know, somebody's uh, banged up on the turnpike, which, now that I say out loud, could mean a few different things. <laughs> um, anyway, it's 2.57 before I cost myself a job. Let's get to the news headlines from uh, Randy Kilburn. And uh, when we come back, we will set the lineup here for our friends at McGuire Financial. Oilers Devils coming up at 5.30 tonight on 6.30, Chad.